Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Matt. Welcome to Roleplay Chat. We are two game masters who can't stop talking about role-playing games. And today we talk about the concept of gift-giving, which is a subject that's really close to our heart. Yeah, and as always, we're going to focus in on the role-play so that we can get better at it together. And to be completely honest, it shouldn't be too hard because the concept of gift-giving is kind of centered around role-play. Yeah, it, so it is. And first, like usual, how's it going, Matt? I think you're at the cottage right now, right? It, it, yeah, I am. Um, I care so much about about our channel, Chris, that I'm even on even on vacation. I'm here chatting, role playing games. It's kind of fun. It's it's a nice change of pace because I don't really get to talk about role playing games with my with my family all too much. Um, so it's nice to be able to kind of scratch that itch, so to say. And then when I'm done, I get to go have a beer, jump in the lake, maybe. Uh, Maybe play some lawn games, or we were actually we've been playing a lot of board games um, with the with the family. One in Things particular, like drinking yeah. board games. <laughs> no, no, not not really. Um, I mean, we we haven't played caps yet. Hopefully, we oh, get a chance to do that. I love caps. It's, do we yeah, want to explain fun. what cap is? <laughs> <laughs> sure, go go real fast. Oh okay. let's, let's do it. Yeah. So when we get to your cottage, there's a tradition to play caps. So caps is basically just two beer bottle. Um, I'd say maybe two meter and a half apart with a cap reversed, like a bottle cap, beer cap, sorry, reversed on top of it. And you're throwing beer caps on, on it to try to remove it from your opponent. And basically it's a drinking game. So you yeah, drink. It's, it's when, fun. When. It's surprisingly hard, but so satisfying when you, yeah. when you plop off the, the, your adversary's cap. It's a, it's a good time. There's a beautiful sound with it. Just like a thum, and it's so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I'm up to. We're up here for about uh, about ten days, just relaxing, uh, taking in the sights. My my daughter is having the time of her life because she gets to be outside. She's butt naked most of the time, just running <laughs> around. It's it's fun. How nice. about how about yourself? What do you, what have you been up to? Uh, in terms of role playing game, I've been continuing to prep my. My two games, uh, I, I ran my brother's game the other day, went well. Uh, but mostly right now in the last three or four days, I played a lot of Gloomhaven with my wife. Oh, we nice. just got it and we're playing too much, to be honest, because we're, <laughs> we're both off. So we're playing probably too much, but it's, it's, it's so fun. And I guess because I'm kind of in between in terms of gaming during the summer, it's harder for role-playing games. Um, we've been holding, I think we're having it like four weeks off in the, in our game, the, the game you're playing. Yeah. At. Yeah. We haven't played in quite some time. So, uh, so yeah, Gloomhaven is, it's, it's great. I'm surprised. I find it surprisingly fun. I, I knew I wasn't going to like it, but it's addictive. Good. Good. How many hours in a day do you, uh, <laughs> I want to say at least six. Oh my Probably. God. Yeah. 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 I think honestly, like my my wife is pregnant, uh, and she gets up really late. I try to do everything I need to do before she gets up, and when she gets up, we set it up and we we start playing and we play. Like yeah, we play too much. That's but awesome. It's yeah, it's, <laughs> it's our vacation, and and w with the COVID, it's like we're not going on 
travels or like we're not traveling, so we're staying home and playing Gloomhaven. I have the best wife. Yeah, that's awesome. That sounds like <laughs> a lot of fun. Um, actually, something that we were doing today. Now that you talk, now that we're talking about role playing games, it's it's funny because today, as I was telling you before, Chris, we cut down a tree, this like enormous tree, and it took us like all day just you know setting up the ropes. Then the, then there was a, a mistake, and the, one of the ropes snapped, and it basically a job that would have t- taken tree cutters probably like two hours took you know six people and two pickup trucks. <laughs> the better part of the entire day and it was so funny because as we were doing it i was thinking to myself like okay like this is a perfect example of like a mundane yet difficult and like exciting task that like a player in a role-playing game might go through <laughs> i know i, I know <laughs> i was trying to think of like okay how would if i wanted to make my players do something like this how would i replicate you know the frustration of failure and but yet the satisfaction of its completion without actually being too cumbersome. And it yeah, was yeah. maybe that'll be a conversation for another day on a different <laughs> roleplay chat episode. But uh, yeah, and and if if people, if the listeners doubted that it's like we're two game master who can't stop talking about role playing game, that's like when we hang out. It's often stuff like that. And even I'm sure you and your wife and me and my wife. It's like every time I always find a way to tie it back to how this can be used in a role-playing game. So I totally, <laughs> I totally uh, resonate with what you're saying right now. Yeah, yeah. The cottage is something like a four-and-a-half-hour drive. And during that four-and-a-half hours, I, like, haggle with my wife to be like, okay, for the next hour, can I talk to you about role-playing games? It's like, <laughs> mm, no, no, not this time, but maybe on the way back. <laughs> yeah. Our wives are very understanding. Yes, they're very, they're <laughs> very gift-giving. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> nice segue. Yeah, very gift-giving. So let's talk about gift-giving uh, in role-playing games, to be more precise. Um, so maybe the first thing to say, this is a term I think you read somewhere on Twitter once. Uh, haven't seen it every, anywhere else, but we didn't come up with it, but we're using it, and we kind of defined it a little bit more for our own personal use. Uh, yeah, I, I think it usually comes from folks in the like the uh, like the drama scene, right? Yeah. It's, it's something mm-hmm. that a lot of improv actors or or voice actors will will use. Um, so so perhaps it it it's come it came from there, but it was yeah it probably came from one of the voice actors I follow on Twitter. I think. Yeah, so that was a good time to define it, but we didn't come up with like a clear cut definition today. Me and Matt haven't really, we don't have a precise idea of what we're going to say. So we're kind of rifting here. So maybe let's start with you, Matt. What, how would you define or how would you explain gift giving? Yeah. Um, so gift giving, I think, in the broadest sense possible, is when you as a player provide some kind of uh, assist to another player. You're basically trying to hand them an opportunity on a silver platter and set them up to do something really cool, like a reveal or some kind of um, some kind of action or, or dramatic moment. Yes. I think and that's that's kind of how I would I would put it. How would how would you put it, Chris? I mean very similarly, I think for me it was setting up someone else and and you want to set them up in the way that they want to be set up and not in the way you think they should be set up right it's so it's a lot about 
I guess, empathy, a lot about knowing what the other player, I would say, is trying to do or is trying to convey and interacting with what they put out by and, and, and kind of throwing the ball back to them. So I like the idea of like the, the, the concept of it's kind of like a pass in sport. So if, if in a sport scoring, so let's talk about um, football. By that, I mean soccer in America, like here we call it soccer. But um, if we do, it's scoring is the goal, but being the person who does the pass is also very valuable. So being gift giving is making that pass. We're Canadian, so we'll say like in hockey. <laughs> Right in hockey, yeah, exactly. You 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 make the pass, you still get a point uh, in your player sheet thing, right? It's, yeah, it's 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 kind of like an like you said, it's an assist. It's a it's 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 a very selfless act, and to be quite honest, it's also very um, it, it can be like mind crunching, right? Like you really got to be very attentive to to enable these kinds of situations to happen to prop up your other players i i remember i want to say it's probably several months ago when we had vince a friend of the show come on to the show and, and talk about being an uh being a responsible player being an engaging player he spoke a lot to this philosophy of enabling other people he, he called it being a fan of the other characters it, and in a lot of role-playing games this is actually in the rule book right chris i i think games like dungeon world uh you know blades in the dark uh, vampires the masquerade there's a few of the games that i've been reading the rule books of lately and it's like in the intro they're saying like you're here to do this collaborative story and help each other so it's it's kind of part of that yeah idea. being a fan being a fan is a lot about i feel like being a fan by itself is when you're not in the action to also enjoy what's going on in the other's people's story. So even if you're off scene, to be a fan means I don't need to always be in the spotlight and be in the action. This is also that, but it's, it's at, at another level where you're actually setting up the other person. So now that we have an idea of what the concept is to us, um, like we said, it's a subject close to our heart because we feel like we've learned a lot from it, but I'm going to ask the question to you, Matt. Like, how important is it for you, and why? That's a good question, Chris. And and it's I want to kick off by saying it's extremely important to me. It's probably personally, I found it very important because it was one of the first steps I decided to take as a player to improve my role play, and. Obviously, there's a lot of other things you can do, but to me, this, this kind of, when I discovered this concept of being gift-giving and trying to assist my other teammates at the table, it made the game open all these doors. It, it, it became so much more interesting, and I really noticed that my roleplay could improve in a variety of different ways. And I could have really cool scenes with my with my my, you know, my friends at the table. I could generate interesting dramatic moments that they were genuinely excited about, mm -hmm. and vice versa, right? Like it feels so good to be handed a pass and get the goal. So it's yeah, to me that's 
you know, personally, I think it's very important. And I guess the reason why would be because it's this pivotal tool that people can use this, this uh, concept that when applied to your game, it makes it more fun. Yeah. It's really an attitude to take when you come to the table. And I think it's, it's mostly weird. I don't want to say weirdly, but it's mostly for players. Uh, I mean, the, the game master, I think by definition will kind of be gift giving because you're building a story to be challenging, but also to, for the players to rise up to the occasion. So mm -hmm. you're kind of already making those passes, but as players, sometimes it, it, and like you said, like when we started, we didn't have this concept of my goal is not only for me to shine as a character is to make the other people around the table shine at during their moment. And I think, I think something to mention here is yes, gift giving is about giving to the other players, but the idea or the, the, the hope is that they're going to reciprocate, right? It's, it's that all this, this good vibes or this this help that you send to the other players will come back to you for you also to shine right if and maybe we can talk a little bit about types of players like it's like in sports there's some people that are more their scorers where the other ones are the ones that are really good at passing and so you might have passive players who don't want to shine and really like setting up other players um and that that's fine but that's a discussion to have amongst your, your players. But gift giving, the goal is to set up the other players so that other players, well, I guess it works, so that they can set you up when it's your turn to shine. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me, it's also, also very, very important. And it's kind of like, it's, it's going to be foundational for a lot of other role-playing tips. If you don't have this listening ability, like listen, the ability to listen and then give back. There's a lot of thing that crumbles around that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioning this, Chris, I, I think this is a good opportunity for, for us to say, and I, I, I hate doing this self-promotion stuff, but if you are listening to this and you think, you know, you want your game table to, to try and attempt doing this, I would encourage you to share this episode with them. Um, and, and, see what their thoughts are and sit down and have the conversation because it doesn't just happen on its own. Our gaming table actually had to have the out of game conversation about trying to be more gift giving. And since we've had that conversation and since we've been trying, or at least, you know, a handful of the players are, are really giving this their, their 110%. I feel like it's been elevated because of it. Um, yeah, and we'll talk maybe about the different tools we've developed around being gift giving. Uh, we legit have like a table, and we'll talk about it maybe a little bit later. But it's you can build things on top of this, so that's why we're saying it's foundational. It's it's having this will allow you to prop propel your role play because without this, there's a problem. And maybe we can talk about what is the effect of not giving it so so you're probably if if you're listening to this maybe you're like oh i already already do this and maybe you are but to be honest i think there i haven't met the perfect give giving player right it's 
there's a lot of opportunity. So what happens if you are not gift giving? Like how can you see those moments where you could have been or that someone maybe missed an opportunity? Yeah, and and I mean, I'll be honest, we were we were missing a lot of those opportunities when we first started playing. Um and I think a, something that can resonate with a lot of people is when your character goes through something important in the game or reveals something major in the game, but nobody talks to you about it. That feeling of disappointment that you get where you're like, oh, I really wish someone would have, you know, talked to me a little bit more and asked me a few questions about the thieves order that I am secretly a part of and now I'm revealing it to everyone. That, that moment of disappointment is a missed opportunity that somebody else didn't pick up on to be gift-giving. Um, this has happened in our games as well. Um, and Chris, I don't know if you want to walk through a couple of those examples right now. I think that could be, could be useful to illustrate this. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's kind of like obvious things that could happen. I remember as a game master, just having some N NPC dying that I, I think have a big emotional impact, and there is, but not having like people explicitly interact with it could be an example. We had one with uh, Ludolf, uh, one of, he was a priest of Sigmar. Well, he is a priest of Sigmar. And he had a, a dream. I won't go into detail what the dream was about, but think of him being very like afraid and rattled and confused. And the player would act this way. And the dream sequence was done uh, out of table. So I took him downstairs and I we did the dream sequence. And when he came back, he acted differently. He tried to be, again, like confused. And that was kind of his way of sending the cue of like, someone asked me what's going on. Someone, please interact with what I'm, the vibes I'm sending. And there was a lot of other things going on in the story, a lot of pressure, pre pressure in the pressing matter. So it kind of fell through the cracks. And we kind of only learned about it in the post campaign wrap up of mm -hmm. what actually went down during that dream. But having this interaction would have really placed the, the, the end of the campaign uh, at least a little bit more for that character. So that's an example of a missed opportunity when that, that player was trying to send uh, a cue of like interact with me, with my character. Like I'm not going to go to you and be like, oh my God, this happened to me. Like you need to come and pry it a little bit. Yeah, that's, and, and that was, like you said, there were so many other things going on that we maybe didn't pick up on it. And had we been more attentive as players, we would have potentially noticed and, and like you said, asked him questions about it. Um, and, and other times, this, this kind of information and this um, opportunity to be gift-giving comes a little bit more obviously. For instance, in, in a game that I've been running, my wife plays in it and so do you Chris and her character revealed that she was part of like an underground clandestine uh, information gathering guild essentially so so to give you guys a little bit of context we're playing a, in a pirate campaign and there's one faction in the campaign called the consulate who is like a information brokerage type of type of guild and they're very secretive and Nobody truly knows who the members of this guild are. My wife's character was 
one of these such members. And none of the other players in the party knew that information. And one day, when she felt the need to reveal it, she did so. She, she explicitly said to everybody at the table, you know, guys, I need to tell you this, I'm part of the consulate. And what happened after was kind of a testament to how hard it can be to be gift giving. Chris, would you like to explain a little bit what happened when she made that reveal? Yes. So my, my character, Edouard, the relationship I had with, with her, Moira, was she was kind of like my father figure because my family think of them like um, a mob and like um, like a mafia and they weren't really like caring so she was the one caring for me and in my backstory my family kind of let's let's put it simply like betrayed me and um, and so I found a second family with the the, the pirates and there wasn't something that happened in the in the the story where I also felt betrayed by the pirates let's put it that way so Mora was kind of like the way I saw it was my last anchor my last kind of like safe space so when she revealed that to me that she had been employed by my my family to take care of me was actually a cover to be a spy against my family I took it as a betrayal so I felt like I had to react to that as Edouard be feeling betrayed so I said things snarky I don't remember exactly what I said something like, okay, so everything in my life is a lie. The only person I trusted lied to me my whole life, and I, and I left. And it made, it made a cool scene. Then we had like an interaction later to resolve it. By itself, it was very cool. But in hindsight, I'm like talking with Matt about it uh, and also her. I, I see that it was kind of she didn't get what she wanted of her reveal. I, I think personally that I was not in a place, my character was not in a place to interact positively, being like, oh, it's so cool. You're part of that thing. Oh my God, what happened? And that's when, like Matt said, it's it's hard to figure out, like, should I be gift giving now? Or is that my moment to shine? I still think it was my moment to shine, but maybe it was not. But maybe another character could have come in. I'm not, I'm not sure. Yeah, and it's definitely, it's an opportunity for another character to perhaps have engaged with this this information or or perhaps for Edouard, your character, Chris, to have taken a back seat and to have reacted to that information privately with a different character. Who knows? But this 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 whole uh, interaction created a moment where one player had an expectation that they were uh, hoping would generate positive and and maybe not positive but they they were looking for someone to be gift giving towards them by bringing this information forward but it didn't happen so it 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 creates this interesting dilemma right when is it good to be gift giving when is it your turn to take it i mean i don't think neither either of us have an answer to this specific situation but it just i think illustrates that gift giving is hard and you need to continuously refine it to be able to to master it, so to say. Um, mm-hmm. So now that we talked a little bit about missed opportunities, I think that the next logical thing for us to talk about, Chris, is how exactly can you identify a moment to be gift giving? What do you need to look for? Are there types of cues? 
Um, what would you say would be the you know gift giving one hundred one? How how to do it? When to do it? Kind of kind of thing. Yeah, um, I think I think for me that the how to do it is all about emotions because it's 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 to set up emotions and stuff like that. so. So I think if you have a character that in your your story is caring for the well being of other, it will. Set, it, it will be easier to set them up. So by that I mean, if if someone is struggling, someone is having a hard time, and you're another player, like another character, I should say, is having a hard time. Well, having your character care for the well-being means they will go to them and be like, "What's wrong? Why? Why are you acting that way?" And then that is an easy setup for them to talk about what is their problem. So you want, so, so that's one way. Just noticing having a character that can actually interact with what the other ones are, are portraying. Because there's often, so there's two types of players, of players, two types of characters that are problematic for that, I would say. It's the loner who kind of is, don't want to interact with anybody and does his own thing. And that can be built in the character. So that might be more difficult to set up. And the other one is the emotionless. So these are two, like some of the starting I get a lot of that from starting players, where they either want to be the loner or they want to be that person that are that are that is purely logical. And a purely logical person, it's harder to care for other people and then go see them to set them up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I, I think another way to kind of set it up, Chris, like you said, even if you're portraying a character that maybe wouldn't care to get the reaction out of another character or you see you see a fellow player character who's struggling with something even if your player character doesn't care about why that other character is struggling i think an important first step is to acknowledge the emotion that the other character is going through if for instance in the example with ludolf who is having the bad dream even i think if one of the more loner type characters like Otis, who's a rogue, who does his own thing, had he in engaged with Ludolf and said something like, ah, I have bad dreams too, and then kind of scurried off, mm -hmm. I think that that would have, even that acknowledgement of, of you're feeling something could be a, a step in the right direction. Yeah, and, and I, I like, and it, I think it's, I think you're right, and it, I said about like caring, like as a positive thing, but it could be the opposite. Like for instance, uh, in one of our last fight, L Ludolf again <laughs> just happens to be Ludolf was basically afraid the whole fight and did not really contribute the way he would have liked. So he was kind of like paralyzed by terror for basically the whole fight, and and obviously the player will build that in the future. But one way to interact with him expressing this, this emotion of, it would be someone else being frustrated by the fact that he did not help them. So going to him and be like, what's wrong with you? Like, you're not, you just ran away and blah, blah, blah. And that, then, then it sets up that other person for them to, to be like, oh, I'm sorry. Don't know what came over me. You know, it, it, then you have a scene you set up, but it's all about emotions. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, I think, emotions, it's acknowledging those emotions, mm -hmm. and as a player who is distinct from your character, it's saying, how can I engage with those emotions in a way that will facilitate them 
spilling the beans, right? Or, or maybe not spilling the beans, but I'm going to open the door up and allow them to walk through it. Um, now, maybe we skipped over an important element here. Obviously, maybe not obviously, but the, the first step to doing that needs to be to be attentive, right? As a player, so not as a character, but as a player, you need to be always listening, always looking to your other characters, your other players for those things, those signals that they're trying to send out. And then once you once you do that, then then you you acknowledge the emotions or you 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 care or not care or what have you about the things that they're going through. Yes, it's it's very about listening to the cues and and we'll talk a little bit more of it. We'll talk a lot more about what's called preluding uh, in another thing. But if the prelude by mean send signal, then you should be attentive to them. And and what I usually do, maybe to give some more like practical thing, I have a list of the characters that are with me, and I will note like in my notes, it's a lot of what other people sent. Like oh, that person said they had that opinion about. Uh, I don't know, cultists. I need to revisit that. I need to come back to that. And I'll I'll mark things and I'll have two or three per other character. And then when I see a moment in a game that it it fits so it doesn't just come out of the blue. It fits with what's going on or we're traveling or and we'll talk about when to do it a little bit more, but I I will check one of those and I will interact with them. And mm -hmm. something maybe about like how to do it again would be and that's kind of a next level thing would be to link their struggle to yours. That's what I really like to do. If one of them has a family problem and I have a family problem, I like to go to them and engage them with their family problem. Maybe they'll send the ball back to me, but once I feel like they, they've done, they've talked about what they had to talk, then I can say something like, yeah, I know what you're going through. I also am through something similar and then it that's a very clear signal that you're sending to the other player of like now i want to talk about my stuff since i've been gift giving to you so that's kind mm -hmm. of a way to set up kind of two birds with one stone yeah and, and i like chris how you talked a little bit about how as a game master you make this it, you're saying as a game master you make this list of things right that that oh no the, as a player oh as a player okay mm -hmm. in your game i do okay, that i have okay, a, I have I a game for Morrow uh, and for that's cool okay I, for some reason my head went to the game master and like as a game master you you also know or you, you know you know a little bit about how each of these characters tick mm -hmm. so you can try and present them with situations that will allow for their characters to become anxious or to become enraged or to to engage with the content in an emotional way that hopefully the other players can say, whoa, 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 you got way too mad about, about you know, <laughs> the goblins that were, you know, stealing apples from that orphanage. Like, why did you care so much about that? And this is maybe a silly example, but you, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. if you present something as a game master to your players that you know will have them react a certain way because of the backstory of their character or because of something they've said in the past, could be could be an interesting way to enable your character your players to be gift giving yes and and to be honest now that we talk kind of like game master or player 
I have a harder time doing this as a game master because as a player, I feel like that's my job. So I'm keeping good notes on the other players and I'm trying, like every game, I'm trying to get one scene with everybody because we're full, four players. So that's three scenes that usually I'm able to do at least two, maybe three, depending on what's going on and how much fighting or other things we do. But yeah. I I try to get one scene with everybody. But as a game master, I I rarely take an NPC and go interact with, like, I'm more passive. I wait for them to come. And that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about lately and trying to, in order to help the players do it more, to do it as an NPC. But at the same time, there's a spotlight management there where I don't want my NPC to care more about Diedrich than the people in Diedrich's party actually yeah, care about yeah. him, right? Because there is this effect, like, there is... Not only does it feel good to reveal cool information about your character or to have a moment where you, you, you do some, like, you have an emotional moment, but the side effect of that is that the two player characters or the three player characters that are engaged in this reveal of information or who are being gift giving, it strengthens the bond between those player characters. It, it's almost like a, a side effect, if you will. So like you said, yeah, if the NPC is the one creating that bond, it's still good, but it's hard to, to build on it, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to have to have that NPC around all the time now because they're your, the best friend of, <laughs> of yeah. the player character. <laughs> I mean, it might help to build uh, emotions because you want that emotion to be... So let's say you want to have, I don't know, a romantic um relationship you want or or at least a caring relationship because you want that npc to later maybe um kidnapped or killed or whatever it helps to build those bonds but at the same time you don't want to steal the opportunity from the other players and mm -hmm. and like just to resonate like to maybe echo what you're saying is we kind of had that in the game i game master with you and vince where you're you were kind of the the, no, I don't want to say founders, but like initiators of being gift giving. And at one point, you were both giving it and receiving it more than the other people. And you, you could kind of tell that your two characters are way more entwined than the other ones. So that's yeah, maybe yeah. A, a not a problem, but a something to keep in mind. When yeah, to try to try to balance it out because it does become exponential, right? It's mm -hmm. like in real life, when, you, when you're close to someone, you're going to keep going to the same person or the same people with your secrets or your troubles. So it's, it's finding a way to balance that out with all the other players. Um, maybe, Chris, something that we could talk about too here. I mean, we, we, we're talking about reacting and catching and sending signals. But you, you did mention something that's quite interesting, and it was that table of role-play moments that our gaming group has developed. And, and I see that as a way for us to be more proactive in the way that, you know, give forethought to the interactions that we're going to have. Um, I'm, I'm trying to see, it's definitely related to being gift-giving. Um, yeah. Do you see that as, as kind of a proactive measure for gift-giving? Yes, I think, yeah, totally. I think uh, when we said what, should you be looking for? And we said cues. That's definitely one of them. But I think the other thing not to neg neglate, ne 
neglect. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, sure. Again, French Canadian. Pardon my my hesitation. But yeah, so another thing to consider is outside of the game talk. That's really good to set you up, especially when you start. Uh, so being proactive, like you said, I think it's 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 good. And so talking about it, like I'm gonna try to set you up for this today. Um, that can be the first the first step. And so maybe to explain a little bit, the table you you brought back here is we made a a table where the x-axis and the y-axis, so horizontal and vertical, are the names of all the players. So it creates kind of like cross sections or like interaction or each box is has two names associated with it. So we have like, let's say Otis and Ludolf and that box, we will fill what is their, what could be their interaction? Like what's the main subject these two people, these two characters would talk about or we be opposed or we'd, would um, work together towards, is there a common goal? Is there, so any kind of interaction they would have, and that will be kind of what maybe Otis tries to set up Ludolf for, or Ludolf tries to set up Otis for. So I think and, it works. Yeah, and, and one of the hesitations, I actually was, like I, I enjoyed doing it, but I was afraid that doing it, Chris, would mm -hmm. remove the, the fun in the improv, like in the in the in the acting challenge aspect of the game and to be honest it didn't like of the interactions that i had that we did explicitly like put in that table it didn't make it any harder it definitely made it easier but it didn't remove from the fun it it, it was an interesting revelation to me because I, yeah, like I said, I was scared that doing that would make it feel stale the next time when we were doing it for real at the gaming table. Mm -hmm. um, but that that wasn't the case at all. It, if anything, it having that forethought and kind of knowing the expected outcome of, or not the expected outcome, but knowing the inner monologue of the other character before hearing it out loud, kind of help me prepare myself mentally if that makes sense mm -hmm. yeah i think it depends also with your level of how, how you're comfortable with it like if someone wants to talk about a traumatic experience their character had it could like talking about it before and being open about it before can actually maybe like we talk about consent and agreeing on certain subjects there could be, there would be the perfect time to say like, you know what, I don't really want to explore that. Like, I remember if we go back to the scene with Mora and Edouard being very upset at her, your wife really felt almost like I was upset, I, Chris, was upset at her, your wife. Yeah, right? yeah, was, yeah, yeah. So, so maybe if we had talked about it before and I would have told her like, I'm going to react that way if you tell me that. I mean, it it feels for me like gift giving with training wheels because you you can't fall. But at the same time, I it would have lost a little bit of the reveal if we had planned it. But I think it's a definitely a good first step. I, I'm I I'm happy to hear that you said that it didn't remove any of the fun. I I haven't experienced it as a player, so I don't know if it would remove some of my fun. But I think mm -hmm, it might mm -hmm. depend on your the type of role player you you are. Like if you prefer knowing in advance or be surprised. 
Yeah, and, and you're right, Chris. It would certainly re- remove that wow factor if there is some kind of really cool reveal um, going on. But I, I think, at least for me as a, as a player, I'm still getting used to the idea of having dramatic conflict. You know, as a person, I'm not a big fan of it. But I know mm-hmm. that sometimes harder conversations have to happen. But generally speaking, I like to avoid it. But then in a, in a role-playing game, those are the dramatic, fun moments that make a cool scene, right? So for me, mentally and personally, knowing, maybe not the outcome, but, but knowing the perspective of the other player character before can kind of set me up for that confrontation. If I know that they're going to be really, really against something, I know it's going to be a harder conversation to have, so I can kind of uh, tamper my expectations and, and prepare myself emotionally for that confrontation, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think this table is also good because it might make things explicit that were not before. Like, if you have players that are not great at sending cues, it's, it happens a lot internally, then at least you can, out of the game, kind of mention things that the characters in the world that you're playing in the fictional world would have kind of noticed that mm-hmm. oh when there's a fire my character actually like moves away from the fire because i'm afraid of fire but i don't really role play it that much but now we can actually start m- massaging it in the game so it's kind of a great first step to and and we said something about like send this uh this podcast to your your players to discuss it well that would could be a, a tool to start implementing it. And this mm-hmm. mixed with the pufferfish moment. So if you haven't heard the listen to the pufferfish moment um, episode, it really works well together. So pufferfish is basically just doing a RP scene, but we give a, a structure on how to do it in a way for it to be easy in your in your game. So we call it pufferfish moment for <laughs> a weird reason. It's kind <laughs> of a quirky name, but go go check it out and you'll understand why we call it that. But um yeah, so I think it works well all together. Those two tools can really propel your role-playing game at your table. Yeah, um, and, and something, Chris, that's been, as we've been talking about this, it's been bugging me because, no, not bugging me, but I've been, uh, I've been asking myself, we're talking a lot about role-play, right? In mm-hmm. scenes, in role-play, could be gift-giving. But it, it makes me wonder and, and think, you could probably be gift-giving in all aspects of the game, right? In, in each pillar of, mm-hmm. of, of a role-playing game, I, I wonder what it would look like to be gift-giving in combat, for example. Or Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking combat, we could... I, I tend to go to, like, oh, let's say someone... For instance, if we take the example of Ludolf, who, like, was terrified you could, as another character or another player, turn to Ludolf and be like, come on, Ludolf, jump in the, into the fight. So that would maybe set them up to feel even, like, feel bad about not being in the fight. In the fight. But then you, it's basically role play. Like, it comes back to role play. So I, I think for what you're asking is more like, can you actually take action in a combat in order to be gift-giving, so in order to set up other uh, characters? And I think you probably can yeah i mean i I guess it it might be more motivation based like if certain certain characters want to kill 
demons or villains or a specific enemy and you're fighting that enemy, you can set them up in that you can allow them to get the finishing blow or, or allow them to have the, 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 the tactically best position in the, on the grid to, to fight the beast, to allow them the opportunity to shine and fight the monster that they've been trying to defeat their, their whole, their whole yeah. adventuring career, what have you. Um, maybe if we talk about D&D, maybe instead of doing, I don't know, some kind of damage spell, you could put Bless on the person who is relevant to the story arc right now, right? That, that is mm-hmm. being give-giving. Maybe it's suboptimal for your character, but you want to let that person shine because it's their moment and their fight to win. Yeah, I, I wonder, Chris, if we could even go so far as, as like allowing a character to die in Ooh. combat. M- maybe this is gift. Gi- maybe this is gift giving. You know, like if mm-hmm. you think of a scene where you're you're in a big combat and one of the characters uh, sacrifices themselves to less to to allow the rest of the party to to escape. I- I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, I mean, that... I mean, when you're talking about this, I'm thinking about Vax in uh, Critical Role. Uh, spoiler alert, <laughs> if you haven't watched season one or campaign one, uh, <laughs> Vax makes a deal with a god for the god to keep his sister safe. But in exchange, she will kind of become her servant and later basically gives his life up for a greater purpose. And so his death is part of, is the end of his story arc, but in a, I, I think, at least, I think in a beautiful way. And they talked about it in uh, Talks Machina, which is the after talk show of this, of, of this, where there would be ways to make it seem fine in the story to like kind of like stop that arc and make him maybe come have an actual life and not die. But very few ways would be satisfactory to the story. And he, the player, uh, Liam, said, like, that's the way it was supposed to go mm-hmm. in the story. And it was, it was his moment. So it, it would have been wrong in most ways to, 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 to rob him of that moment, I, I personally think. Yeah, so, I mean, something for you guys to consider. Maybe we won't get too much more into how to be gift-giving in combat because it's not exactly something that Chris and I have have fleshed out before just now but <laughs> but but it's, it's something to think about i mean the and same thing with the other pillars of the game right you can be you could potentially be gift giving in the way you explore uh perhaps uh one character is afraid of a certain space you you give them that growing up explore the the dark cave with the spooky noise. I, I don't know. Um, well, maybe uh, you explore and one of the characters finds a library and there's some books and he sees books that would be interesting for someone else related to their motivation. Uh, then she, that person grabs them and gives them to that literal, a literal gift, uh, right? Like it could like just keeping the attitude in your head of like, this is not like, how can this help other people shine? Yeah, who can get of... the most of this mm-hmm. in the entire party and how can I get them to engage with it to, to get that out of it? Um, yeah, we're, we're running a bit long, so maybe I, 
we'll just tackle a couple of points that I, I don't want to forget. Like when we said about what to look for, we said cues, we said talk about it, about that's how the game, we just talked about motivation. If you know the motivation or the goals, the objectives of the other players, or the other characters, I should say, these are, you need to set that up. Like, you, no, you don't need, but you, you should set that up as being gift giving. Using their background is also a great way to do it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we said you could do it in combat. We said you could do it in exploration. But you could, any narrative beat, uh, if there's a reveal. So also be gift giving to your game master, actually, now that I think about it. Because as a game master, sometimes I'll put stuff and I want you guys to interact with it, like a reveal. And maybe you find it cool and maybe the characters are reacting internally. But actually having a scene about what just happened is kind of gift giving to the game master. Would you agree? Yeah. Uh, and, and I think you could also, I, I do agree with you, Chris. And I think you can also be gift giving um, to the game master in a sense that it's interesting to provide the game master with actions or thoughts that your character wants to do that's open-ended. I, I think the mm-hmm. same goes to when you're interacting with your fellow player characters, right? You want to engage them in a way that you open a door. So ask them a question that isn't a yes or no question. Ask them how they're feeling. Ask them how they're doing. Ask them what they're trying to achieve. You know, engage and ask them what might appear to be a loaded question and who knows how they're going to interpret it and walk through the door and present something really cool. So I think, Chris, we we talked a lot about gift-giving and we could probably keep going on for quite some time. It's a really deep and subject. It's a subject that we're very passionate about. Um, so perhaps we'll revisit it. But for the time being, I think this gives you guys, the listeners, a good idea of what being gift giving is, uh, instances when you can use it. So let's quickly go through a little summary of, of today's episode and then we'll close out the show. Yeah. So what is gift giving? Gift giving is setting up the other players, is making a pass for them to score on what they're trying to do. And we said it's very important because it's the basis of, of sharing and in, in, in everybody's spotlight. Kind of like, if you don't have this, then everybody will kind of do their own story and role play in a vacuum. And, and being gift giving will really open up possibilities for you. Yeah. And then we talked a little bit about you know, how to do it. I think the, the most critical component here is to just be perceptive as a player, to be open and look for cues from your other player characters or other players. Um, they, you know, if they're acting differently, if they're explaining the way their character is acting in a different way. You could also do this by being proactive and having out-of-game conversations. Maybe develop a table where you physically write out how your character feels about every other character at the table or an interaction they would like to have. And then put that into a cool matrix and share it with all the other characters and players at your table so that people can have some kind of uh, ammunition, if you will, for role-play moments and gift-giving moments. Yeah, and we, we talked, uh, and even doing the wrap-up, we come back a lot for, to emotions. So maybe just asking a question simple as how do you feel about what just went on or how do you feel about x just this is being gift giving at its i think um core yeah in its purest form i suppose (laughs) yeah yeah and then we said like where and when should like can you do it 
you kind of can do it anytime you feel like it's an opportunity. Exploration, downtime when you're traveling, it's a great way to to kind of like go from one scene to the other with with traveling narrative elements. You need interacting with reveals. Uh, it, it's it's it applies to so many things. So it's more about noticing it and then acknowledging the emotions. Yeah, and lastly, I think throughout the whole thing, we tried to talk a little bit about how game masters can be, play a role in all of this. Obviously, game masters can 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 present uh, situations to the players. Players can also be gift giving towards their game masters by by presenting them with interesting scenarios or or. Uh, engaging with content like dramatic moments like you mentioned chris so i i think that covers being gift giving if, if you guys like this episode we highly encourage you to give us a five-star rating on itunes or give us a, a a like on spotify or any of the other podcasting platforms that you listen to it would, it would mean a lot to us especially given that our our new format is something that we we really enjoy so we want to know if you're also enjoying these uh more open-ended, longer conversations in the podcast medium. We're obviously setting up other things to come here. This will be the foundation of a lot of other things to come. It's, it's a powerful tool, and I hope we were able to convey to you how it can actually improve, how much it can advance your role play at your table if you're not already doing it. Yeah, and if you are already doing it, or if you have questions about being gift-giving, please feel free to reach out to us. You can do so by contacting us on Twitter. Send us a direct message, and that's at role underscore play underscore chat. Or we have an email that's contactroleplaychat at gmail.com. Yeah, so looking forward to hearing from you guys. And I'm going to go grab a beer, enjoy the lake, and relax. So I'll see you and talk to you next time, Chris. Yes, I'm going back to Gloomhaven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's, let's call it a chat.